0: Welcome to the Reunion Velvo podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, here we go. Last week, we heard Jesus say to his apprentices, the world will know you're with me because you attend church on Sundays. (laughs) No, that's not right. They'll know you're with Jesus because you have a fish on your car. Keep Christ in Christmas uh, as a sign on your lawn or because you read your Bible and pray every day. Nope. Jesus says the world will know that you are with him by your love. And he's not saying just any love, but the agape or the blind love that Jesus illustrated. You see, the love in our culture is often eyes wide open, meaning that we love what we see, experience, or feel. If we see nothing, experience nothing, or feel nothing, positive, warm, and fuzzy, well, we don't love. Thank God that God doesn't love us like that. No, the love of God we see with Jesus and our call to express is a choice to ascribe worth to another person because of their inherent value. And sometimes that even comes at a cost to ourselves. Feelings come and go, but your worth, their worth always remains. So agape is always possible. So how to go this week. Were you hooked on a feeling or did you take every thought captive to choose to love when emotions tried to convince you otherwise? Love is a choice and following Jesus is a lot of brain work. Paul tells us that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds and that means taking every thought captive that contradicts the way of Jesus. Following Jesus isn't a switch that's flipped, but a long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson says. So now we want to ask What does choosing to love look like? How do we get our brains around that? And how does that manifest itself in the way in which we actually act with one another? What does it include? This morning, we're just going to continue to look at 1 Corinthians 13, specifically verse 4. And it says this, love is patient. In English, patience means to be able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. In the Greek, maybe even your own translations this morning, it's going to say makrothumeia, which is a translation into English which says be slow to anger. What's the difference in these definitions? One says you won't get annoyed or anxious because you're able to tolerate disturbances and the other says you'll be slow to get angry. What's the difference between tolerant and slow to get angry? We're going to talk about that in our breakouts in just a few minutes and around our tables this week. Because what in the world is Paul trying to teach us about the nature of God and therefore the character of love and our character as apprentices of Jesus? The first thing that I want to mention this morning is that please notice, and I hope that you did, that Paul doesn't say that love never gets angry. Anger is never or at least very seldom ever taught as a sinful emotion in scripture. The issue isn't anger, it's what we do with it, specifically what it can become. There's a progression captured in Greek that Paul is really trying to drive at home, drive home at this morning, and so I want to work through a couple of words with you. The first one is orgē, or in fact the first stage of anger is orgē. It's it's simply translated as anger in the context of being upset that someone or something has devalued something or someone you value. This can be as simple as somebody maybe hitting the side of your car in a parking lot, your child getting pushed in the playground, or someone making a harsh comment about someone you love. Anger is a natural response towards someone or something that has taken something or someone you value and devaluate. Anger is not a sin. It's a natural response to a situation. Orge is okay. Can you say that? Orge is okay. Paul isn't saying be slow to orge. He uses the word macrothrumea, so we're going to get there. But he says love is slow to a different kind of anger, which orge can become. But first it has to evolve, or sorry, devolve for that matter, into paraorgismos or paraorge this is orge that with the, the addition of para, which means down under or anger from down under. It means to suppress or submerge anger. Orge is okay and natural, but para paraorge is not natural. Paraorgismos is an unnatural response to a natural reaction. So imagine orge happens, you get angry about it, right? Someone devalues something you value and in order to deal with it, uh, deal with the anger, Instead of speaking it or acknowledging it, we, we shove it down, we swallow it, we submerge it, we sub, uh, suppress it. Instead of speaking our emotional truth, we, we swallow it. In fact, this is how many of us have been taught to deal with anger. Just bite your tongue, swallow hard and move on. It sounds very Canadian para or para is often confused then with patience or even worse, it can be taught as patience through cultural, community, workplace, even family structures or expectations. How did your family deal with conflict? Were you taught to just swallow it, bite it, and move on? Pretend? Or maybe this is where tolerances can come in? See, patience is propo- as, even promoted as non-confrontational p- Tolerance. Just learn to tolerate it in swallow. The problem, though, is with paraorgasmus is that it suppressed anger is like a carbonated drink in the hands of children. It's unnatural. Pressure builds, and if it's not released, the thunder from down under turns into, or can, bitterness. A hardness of heart or emotion that can turn inward, leading to depression or issues of self-worth. When we have moments of anger about an outward stimulus and actually when we swallow it, it can turn inward to conditions that we believe about ourselves. And so anger, which is an emotional reaction, can turn into a way of living continuously until, and maybe you've experienced this sporadically or spontaneously, it becomes a third type of anger. Thumos, hot anger. This is the root word mentioned in verse 4. Be slow to thumos, makrothumea. Be slow to hot anger. Hot anger is the explosive, always destructive rage that leads to the harm of someone or something, including ourselves. Thumos is when we do in kind to others what we have had done to us. We devalue them. This is when somebody snaps, says, or does something often regrettable. And the worst part of the snapping is how often blown out of proportion the reaction seems to be in light of the trigger. What happened in that moment really didn't deserve or shouldn't have created the reaction. But it's been down in there, festering and boiling, just getting ready. And so uh, on your screens you'll see the visual, right? Like we have an event that happens and we we orge, we get upset. And what do we do? We suppress it. We swallow it into para-orge and it builds and it builds until (laughs) the toilet paper is hung on backwards or the kids are taking their sweet time, putting their shoes on. And all of a sudden you thumos, thumos happens and we can't even remember what in the orge is causing it. This is why later in scripture, Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27, be angry, but do not sin. Do not orge. Or it's actually orgizo. Do not, and then he goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your your anger. Why? Because if you let the sun go down, you're in essence suppressing it. You're just uh, swallowing it. Even for the night is a bad idea. But be angry, he says. It's okay to Orge, but don't sin. Don't devalue somebody else in your moment. Don't fly off the handle. Don't thumos. But certainly also don't para or gizmo. Don't swallow it. Deal with it. And then we're going to talk about in just a few seconds about how to, at least how am I learning to deal with moments of Orge. But I want to say I pull it all back together. What in the world does impatience have to do with or patience, for that matter, have to do with love now again, remember that paul doesn 't tell us not to get angry, but patience is is a response as much as it 's a state of being you 're going to react when things are devalued, but patience isn 't just being slow to anger but living in a state of others centered understanding. Patience is living in a state of others centered understanding to help us get our heads around this i mean here 's an invitation. <laughs> Uh, what makes you impatient? What makes you impatient? Now, I can't speak for you, but very seldom does someone harm or hurt something that I, or someone for that matter, that I value. However, there's plenty of times every single day when someone unknowingly gets in my way. Ugh. Impatience for me is often rooted in a me-centered way of living. I have to get here, I have to do this, and I have to have that, and you're slowing me down, you're keeping me from it, you're stopping me from having it. Impatience is a self-centered way of living that impacts the speed you drive your car, the checkout line you choose at the grocery store, if you say hi or don't say hi to your neighbors as you're walking. It's even how you speak to your kids as they get ready to leave the house. Impatience is about me and what I value being devalued by you. But last week, our definition of love, the big love that God chooses is agape, right? It's a choice to ascribe worth to another person, even at the cost of oneself. And so if impatience is a self-centered way of living that says my agenda is more important than yours, well, love and patience is choosing to see value regarding the agendas, the speed, the value of others, even at the cost of my own. Patience is a choice to live slower in order to value you more. Patience is an other-centered way of living and understanding. And this is the beauty of patience, increasing another's value above our own. Patience is allowing others to get to point B before me because they're, they're worth my sacrifice. And the fruit of this means that we're slow to anger because my worth, my values, and priorities become secondary to yours because you're worth it. In fact, learning to grow up in love or grow up in patience is an invitation during times of impatience to choose love, not anger. Again, I'm not saying you won't get upset, but when you're impatient, instead of swallowing it or worse yet, yelling at the kids to get in the car, perhaps these are moments for growth opportunities, moments for us to, as Paul said, take every thought captive and and to step into a different solution. Now I'm not a very patient person. This is one area of growth that the Spirit and I together are working on. Uh, but here's a couple of things that I'm practicing in my moments of impatient orgay, and maybe there, maybe these can be helpful for you. But I'd love to hear how you process it. Um, but here's a couple of things that I do. I accept and reflect this. I, I accept and reflect it. In moments of have anger or impatience in the past. I've been taught and I've been conditioned and therefore my gut reaction is to swallow it. I literally, that's like, that's like my go-to coping mechanism. I've been taught like that's just the way that we deal with conflict and that's the way that you deal with negative emotions. You just, you just kind of swallow it and it will go away. The problem is it doesn't and that's my experience and that's my family's experience and it comes back up later. So in order for me to properly uh, grow in this area, I have to learn to accept and reflect. And so I take a moment and I try. I'm not, uh, I don't do it all the time, but more and more I'm seeing that I'm taking moments in my, my orgay to, to just say, okay, this is a, this is a natural reaction. This is an okay emotion. It's, it's, it's okay to feel this way. But then I want to reflect on why I'm feeling that way what's caused this emotion is it an appropriate response to the situation is it appropriate if it's not if it's just me being impatient and not putting the other person's values or their speed or their life at least equal to mine then i i got to acknowledge that and confess that like hey this is a bit of an overreaction to the situation so the orge is okay but let's not let's not make this bigger than it has to be let's just let's just let it go expect what step into it accept it and and let it go, let the emotion pass as I focus on this other person's person in their needs and their lives and just come to a, whoo, they're actually, they're doing something too and I got to just create space for them. But if I'm accepting and reflecting and I do believe that this is something that I do value and this is, this is something that could happen again and instead of swallowing it, I want to in love and patience and kindness, express that to this other person. And so I'm learning how to do this even still with Kristen. Kristen, if we have a disagreement or if something happens and I just I need to, we're getting comfortable even after 16 years of marriage learning to say, "Hey, that that did not make me feel good. It's not that you did it on purpose, but this situation it doesn't this is what's happening in me because of it." And so learning to express it's so important expressing your emotional truth when something is devalued is a courageous and important step in relational strength. It's it's not being confrontational, as some of us have been taught. It's it's a loving way in which we build our relationships to be able to say, hey, that was, I just sense that you kind of devalued me or my whatever it might be in this moment. And it's, it's not being tolerant. Jesus does not teach us to be tolerant. Jesus doesn't call us to tolerance. He calls us to love. And expressing your harm in the your emotional truth in moments of deval when you're devalued is is so important to to your relational strength and so i i accept i reflect and from my reflections i either disengage i dis uh, disarm my anger i say hey that's actually not that big of a deal let's just move on or i actually have to engage it in having honest heartfelt conversations with with people the second thing i've done uh, because it's often just the reality. Well, this is just my thing, but I have to build into my life rhythms for, uh, where I allow margin for disruption, margin for disruption. I'm building into my life margin for disruptions. So I have to create time in my day for people to interfere with my agenda. This margin for disruption is a result of Sabbath rest for me. And so learning to have a Sabbath rhythm to my day and my week is actually becoming a Sabbath way of living where I'm creating margin for things to just go sideways. So I have to slow down. I have to make time and use my time differently so I can react with patience to people when they are just simply living their lives. So I have to leave the house, for example, five minutes earlier because I hit, and I kid you not, every... Every red light by the hospital, it's like, it just, it it has to change when I get there. And so uh, that can often, if I'm running behind and I hit those lights, I, I get upset. I get stuck behind someone else driving their car instead of me trying to race to an appointment and I become impatient. When we live busy lives, we set ourselves up for impatient interactions. When we live busy lives, we set ourselves up for impatient interactions. And so I've learned to create margin for disruption. Do you do that? I do this more and more because I want to be like Jesus. I do. I, I, I love when I read Jesus and I see Jesus' life, that he lived with margin for disruption that opened the door for connection with people. Jesus never seemed impatient with people. People stopped Jesus, interrupted Jesus, even removed a house, a roof, sorry, of a house to get to Jesus. And he remained so patient. Now, we live at different times, obviously. We have different lives, Jesus and I. But Jesus chose to slow down, create margin for the sake of others. Moving fast from A to B often means blowing past people, not even seeing people, right? And so I imagine, what connections are we missing because we live at such an impatient speed? I wonder. And the last thing, which is absolutely the most important, that's why I put it last so it kind of hits home and you remember it. There's this old saying, right? Like if we pray for patience, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us patience, but opportunities to be patient. (laughs) Uh, There's some truth to this. Because in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, it says this, the fruits of the Spirit, being in touch with the Spirit is a life that reflects the Spirit. And that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That being said, I don't necessarily need more patience. I need more of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit means I'm rooted in the Spirit. I need more connection with God. I don't need to choose patience as much as I need to lean into my connection to God. One of the things that I've noticed in my life is that the people I hang out with wear off on me. We become like our community. So the fruit of the Spirit is less about a choice at times and more about God wearing off on us. Is God wearing off on you? How's your connection to Christ? Maybe we need to stop praying for patience and praying for more of the Spirit. Spending more time with the Spirit. It's both and God, would you pour into me as I open myself to your life, to your presence? Because God is here, the Spirit is with us. Everywhere we go, the Spirit is with us. Every step we take, the Spirit is with us. Because God is here, the Spirit is with us. But again, as we're living our lives and with impatience, are we aware of it? Are we creating opportunities to have uh, not just morning touch points, but touch points throughout the day where we're just like, oh, Holy Spirit, you are here. Simple breath prayer. God is here, the Spirit is with me. I believe that God will wear off on you. So in closing, orge is okay. Anger is going to come, but how are you going to allow it to come out as a choice to be patient or otherwise? Impatience is a self-centered way of living. It's about your agenda, your speed, your, your X, Y, and Z. Patience, on the other hand, is an others-centered way of living where we allow the other person to at least be the same as us, to allow their agenda, their needs for their day, to to be just as important as ours. So how's that going to look like this week to not just say, okay, I want this other person to be valued, but in your moments of impatience this week, will you be slow to anger? Will you accept and reflect? Will you allow that invitation to uh, walk away or engage the conversation? Will you create margin for disruptions because people are living their lives and it's going to happen. You're going to get thrown off. Your agenda will not happen the way you want it to. And how are you going to respond? Do you create margins for for events and certainly with people to make connections? Imagine if you slowed down who you'd see. And finally, is God wearing off on you? I believe that the fruit of the Spirit is a result of the Spirit and I'm seeing it in my life and I, I believe that we will see it together as we have touch points throughout our day. Love is patient. God is patient. And so are his apprentices. What is God saying to you and how are you going to respond? Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion. You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbellville.com and we're always here to walk with you.